Well, let's start with some truth, shall we? Most human beings don't like to work out. Am I right? Like, I think most of us, even the thought of, of working out is in daunting and intimidating, or maybe even already exhausting. And I find that the, the rare part of our species that seem to actually like love working out, that sometimes it seems like they're really trying to convince themselves of that, let alone the rest of us, you know, by telling us how many steps they've tracked on their watch, or posting about how excited they are that tomorrow's leg day, or talking about how comfy their Lululemons are, right? Because I think most of us, we, we don't love to work out. Frankly, a bag of Doritos and four episodes of The Office is just more fun. Am I right? But here's something that's equally true. Even though I think most of us don't really like to work out, we know that workouts are worth it. That a healthy workout can, can actually help uh, produce change and goodness in our lives, helping us become more of who we want to become. And that's a bit of a segue into where we find ourselves right now in our study of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians in this Habits of Harmony series, where we're looking at habits that we need to adopt or establish if we're going to experience the harmony of love that God wants for us. So if you have a Bible with you today or a Bible app on your device, I encourage you to open it with me to Philippians chapter 2, where we're going to pick up the next section of this letter and the habit that Paul wanted to instill in the Philippians, and I think he wants to instill in us today. We're going to be looking at a single sentence that spans two verses in Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, and kind of walk through it line by line together. So starting in Philippians 2, verse 12, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. And I'm going to pause there because in this first part of this sentence, this is where Paul begins setting the context for the point that he wants to make here, the habit that he wants to instill here. And he starts by saying, therefore. And if you were with us last week, you remember uh, that Tom Lowen reminded us that anytime we read, therefore, we need to ask what it's, you can say it, Therefore, right? Because it seems like Paul is picking up on something. And sure enough, he's picking up on the themes he's been writing about in this letter so far, primarily the good news of Jesus and the example of Jesus for us to follow. And in this part of the letter, he's starting to get to applying this to the, the nitty gritty of the Philippians' lives, what this means for them um, some commentators would say this, therefore, could maybe be better translated as so then. It's kind of the, the so what of this, what this means for them right now. So he says, so then, my dear friends. And let's just remember, too, that he's, he's writing to friends, plural, that Paul is writing this letter to a community. And so every time we come across the word you, which we do in this passage as well, we can think of it almost more like a y'all. Uh, and he's saying here, so then, my dear friends, this is what this means for y'all right now, okay? And so he says, uh, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. What he's saying here is that um, when he was with them, 
and he shared with them the good news of Jesus and taught them about the example of Jesus to follow. He said, hey, you started really well when we started together, wanting to uh, respond to this good news and obey the example of Jesus. And we started out well on this path together and planted this faith community. But he says, now that I can't be with you, because Paul is a long way away. Remember, he's writing from a prison cell in Rome. Now he's saying it's even more important that you continue on this path. It's even more important that now you get along in the harmony of love of Jesus as sort of this sincere and authentic chance to learn to love each other and experience the evidence of Jesus's activity among you. It's kind of like a parent who's going out for the evening, leaving their kids at home and saying, kids, it's, it's actually more important that you get along while I'm not here, as that becomes the authentic reflection of how you care for one another and how you love one another, not just when a parent is with you or watching. That's kind of what Paul's saying. And with that context, Paul gets to the point that he wants to make here, the habit that he wants to see the Philippians establish when he says, now continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's what he's calling them to. That's what he's inviting them to. That's the, the so what that will help them experience the harmony of love that God intends for them to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. So what I want to do is spend a few minutes unpacking this part of the verse together, unpacking this habit and, and helping us understand kind of what it's saying and what it could mean for us as well. And we're going to kind of work from back to front here in understanding this part of the verse. First, I want to start uh, with what Paul means by working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's almost like uh, Paul knows exactly what we're going to feel like at any sort of hint of a workout, the fear and trembling that gets induced. But I think sometimes this verse um, is misunderstood to make us think that somehow we are supposed to be afraid of God in some way if we're going to experience God's salvation or activity in our lives. But a couple weeks ago, Mandy Casper shared with us that the scriptures say that God's essence is love and that God's perfect love drives out all fear. In fact, there's 365 commands in the scriptures that say, do not be afraid. What Paul isn't saying is that, that we need to be afraid of God. So, some translations translate these words actually as reverence and awe. And I think that starts to get closer to the sentiment that Paul is after. Having a reverence for God's power and love and an awe for how God wants to pour his power and love into our lives. I think about the feeling uh, this way. Uh, there's a place in Virginia, kind of among part of the Appalachian Mountains or foothills that, that we've taken our family to a number of times. And there's a hike there we've done a couple of times that takes you to this one particular lookout that we've just loved sort of experiencing the scene of. We have a picture here of when our boys were a little bit younger standing at that spot. And when we've been there, I've just been in awe of the view. You know, we're pretty high up. We're as high as the, the turkey vultures soaring around us. And you can just see, you know, for miles across the landscape. And it's just quite compelling. But I also feel uh, quite reverent at the fact that there's no guardrail there to keep my kids back from the edge as they want to get the full experience of the view. 
And I think it's that kind of reverence and awe that, that Paul is referring to. Take that even further and imagine you're standing at that kind of peak, you know, strapped to a hand glider and considering taking the leap of faith to enjoy soaring through the air the way a hand glider is intended. Um, that's, that's the feeling. It's imagining what it would be like to continue radically rethinking what it would be like to, to follow Jesus and reshape our lives in the way of Jesus, to keep becoming more like him. And that's what Paul is getting at when he refers to salvation. I think usually when we hear the word salvation in a spiritual context, we think uh, only of some reality in the afterlife. And while the biblical connotations for salvation certainly include the eternal dimension, um, the word salvation can also be translated as, as healing or wholeness. It's kind of like this, this restoration of flourishing in our lives and in our communities right here in the here and now. When Jesus talked about salvation, he talked far less about a status in heaven kind of one day in the future and far more about the process of heaven coming to earth here among us. It's about uh, the transformation of our lives to become who we're meant to be into the likeness of Jesus and the love of Jesus happening kind of right here today. That's, that's what he means by salvation. And so he says, he kind of gives us this habit of to work out our salvation with this reverence and awe. So we come to this idea of, of working out our salvation. Now, work out here can also be translated as to carry out or to live out. It's about fleshing out something that has already begun, that's kind of already present or has taken root, but, but needs to come to life in a fuller way. It's kind of like the process of, of uh, working out the ingredients in a recipe, mixing them together and then placing it in the oven so it becomes something more than the sum of, it, of its parts. That's the kind of work out that Paul's referring to. And I want to be really clear to note that uh, what Paul doesn't say here is that we are to work for our salvation. Paul actually refuted any idea of human beings needing to work for God's salvation when he wrote uh, in a parallel passage to a sister church in Ephesians, where in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, he wrote, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This isn't about working for our salvation, but it is about working out our salvation, fleshing out what God has done as, and is doing in us. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean to establish the habit of, of a spiritual workout that, that participates in working out our salvation? Well, around here, we talk a lot about uh, spiritual practices and disciplines that can help us uh, stay in tune with the presence of God and participate in the activity of God in our lives. I think these are the kinds of things that can make up our spiritual workouts. We think of uh, personal practices like reading the scriptures and reading about the life of Jesus to, to learn about him and to learn from him. 
Think about spending time in quiet, um, meditation and reflection and, and listening to the voice of Jesus. Spending time in prayer, bringing our needs before God so we can relate to God at a deeper level. Think about uh, regularly, habitually, weekly participating in an environment like this for worship together, coming together as a community into God's presence and to learn together what God might be saying to us. Think about faith-based friendships where we get into relationships that create a different kind of connection and a different kind of conversation, putting Jesus at the center so that we can learn to follow Jesus together. I think about growing in generosity and compassion and justice and mutuality, engaging in relationships with the poor and the marginalized to experience Jesus in the unexpected places. I think about the humility we talked about last week to see others' interests as more important than mine, to be able to engage and maintain unity even when we don't quite agree. I think these are the spiritual workouts that have us begin and continue to experience God's salvation and harmony of love among us. And it's what God wants for us. Um, I think we all know that, that workouts, uh, physical workouts can be daunting, but they're worth it. Well, spiritual workouts even more so. Um, Paul made this very comparison when he was encouraging his apprentice Timothy in 1 Timothy where he said, physical training is of some value, but spiritual training, spiritual workouts have value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That engaging in these spiritual practices and disciplines that can be working out our salvation help us experience the healing and the wholeness in our lives that God wants to provide for us. And that's the real good news when it comes to working out our salvation. That it's not something that we do on our own or in our own strength. That's the good news that, that Paul ends this sentence with in verse 13, where he says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The good news is that when we seek to work out our salvation, we're simply seeking to align our lives with God and then allow our lives to be transformed by God because God is the one at work uh, in us to will and to act. It's a bit of a play on words here where Paul says that our job is to simply work out what God has already worked in. And to will and to act, what this means is that that this life of faith or this life of experiencing God's salvation um, is not just about trying as hard as we can. And it's not just about trying to, to live up to a bunch of kind of rules or boundaries that we probably don't really want to live up to anyways. It's about God in us, willing and acting. It, it could be translated as changing our desires and giving us the power from the inside out to want what God wants and become what God wants us to become. And that's to grow in the likeness of Jesus personally and the love of Jesus as a community. And why does God do this? Because it fulfills his good purpose. Because nothing brings God more delight than seeing us become who we're meant to become, seeing us become like Jesus. Once again, in that parallel passage to the Ephesians, he sort of described the same idea this way. 
Or in Ephesians 2.10, Paul wrote, for we are God's handiwork. Now the translation says workmanship or, or our, God's masterpiece. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Friends, God is the one who has worked his salvation into us. That because of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he will continue to do, God is the one working deep within to uh, transform us to become who he wants us to become. And we're invited to just continue participating with God to work out this salvation by building the habit of spiritual workouts and spiritual disciplines into our lives. In 2014, uh, Lindsay and I had the opportunity to travel uh, to Florence, Italy. And uh, while we were there, we got to go to the Academia Gallery that houses Michelangelo's famous sculpture, David. Now, I didn't know really anything about this gallery, not an art connoisseur by any means, didn't really know much about the David. Um, but when we got to come into the part of the gallery where the David is housed, I was just blown away at this masterpiece. Um, first and foremost, at its larger-than-life structure at over 17 feet tall, it was, was quite remarkable. But also in the incomprehensible detail of, of what Michelangelo was able to craft. Um, but what blew me away, more than the sculpture itself, was when I learned that Michelangelo carved the David out of a single giant block of marble. Now, if you know anything about sculpting out of marble, maybe that doesn't surprise you, but for me, that was new information, that he actually sculpted all of his sculptures out of a single block of marble. And I learned later that, that Michelangelo described his work this way. He said, the sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I even start my work. It is already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. Friends, when it comes to our life with God um, and continuing on the path of obeying the good news of Jesus and following the example of Jesus, working out our salvation, um, the good news is that God is at work in us, that when we put our faith in Christ, God has put the likeness of Jesus in us and the love of Jesus in us, and we simply seek to position ourselves in a way that he can continue chipping away the superfluous material of our lives. In my life, this is certainly a slow but hopefully steady process. Sometimes it feels like two steps forward and one step back. But I've found as, as I've sought to adopt these habits of these spiritual workouts in, in, in my routines, you know, through starting my day with some quiet and, and spending some time in the scriptures and in prayer, participating consistently in this community and getting to, to worship together and learn from each other, having faith-based friendships where we engage in Jesus-centered conversation and in growing in, in love and compassion and justice and generosity and in mutual relationships with the poor, um, it's in all of that that I, I slowly start, start to see over time God chipping away the superfluous material of sin and selfishness, of discord and division, you know, of apathy or 
of greed, of judgment, of gluttony, of lust, chipping it away to, to slowly bring out more of the likeness of Christ in me and to be able to experience more of the love of Christ in this community. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for all of us. So could we adopt the habit of of working out our salvation, of engaging in regular, consistent, daily spiritual workouts to align our lives with God and allow our lives to be transformed by God as he, as the master artist, chips away the superfluous material so that we can experience the harmony of love, the harmony of heaven on earth that he made us for. That's my prayer for you, and I pray that we can adopt this habit of harmony together. Let's pray. God, we thank you um, for your work in us. Thank you that you are indeed the master artist and you have given us the ultimate masterpiece in Jesus, the good news of his life and his death and his resurrection and the example of his way of life for us to embrace, for us to follow. Um, Thank you that as we put our faith in you, you put all of that in us and may we continue then to work it out together. Work it out in our own character as we engage in spiritual practices personally and work it out in community as we engage in faith and harmony together in love. Thank you that we can trust you to do this work and may we just stay open to it as you work in us and all around us, we pray in your name. Amen.